0: Hello and welcome to The Observer's Notebook, the official podcast for the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. I'm Tim Robertson, your host of the podcast and also the coordinator of the training program within the ALPO. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers is an international organization devoted to the study of the sun, moon, planets, asteroids, meteors, and comets. Our goals are to stimulate, coordinate, and generally promote the study of these bodies using methods and instruments that are available within the communities of both amateur and professional astronomers. The Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers collects and analyzes observations of various solar system bodies and associated phenomena, and publishes those with detailed reports in the quarterly publication, the Journal of the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers, otherwise known as the Strolling Astronomer. This podcast depends upon donations from you, our listeners, to keep it alive. If you enjoy what you hear on the Observer's Notebook, you can donate it to it via Patreon by giving as little as $1 a month. If you feel even more generous, for $5 you receive early access to the podcast before it goes public. For a monthly donation of $10, you receive a copy of the Novice Observer's Handbook. And for $35 a month, you will receive producer credits on the podcast. You can help us out by going to www.patreon.com slash observersnotebook. A reminder, the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers maintains many individual observing sections and programs devoted to the study of various solar system bodies and phenomena each is managed by one or more coordinators that collect and study the submitted observations. If you would like to join the ALPO, you can for as little as $14 a year. For more information, you can visit us on the internet at www.alpo-astronomy.org. And now, The Observer's Notebook. All right, I'd like to welcome everybody back to this supplemental issue of the uh, Observer's Notebook podcast. It's the total lunar eclipse kind, and we have a total lunar eclipse coming up uh, next week. So I've asked uh, Wayne Bailey, the lunar coordinator, to come on and chat with us about it. How you doing, Wayne?
1: I'm doing fine, Tim.
0: Great. You were on way back episode two of the podcast. This is actually episode 36. That will be really wow. Yeah, <laughs> oh. I know. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I it's hadn't great. realized there were that many. Yeah, there's. You know, I've, I've been busy. <laughs> and yeah. since we last talked, you also, at the Graham Conference in Athens, you were awarded the Peggy Haas Service Award for the ALPO. Congratulations on that.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, uh, that actually came as kind of a surprise to me. <laughs>
0: that's great. Well, from what I saw, it was well-deserved.
1: <laughs> well, thank you.
0: Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about the lunar eclipse. Now that's coming uh, Wednesday morning, um, January 31st, correct?
1: That's right, right. Why
0: don't mm-hmm. you talk to us a little bit about what a lunar eclipse is before we get started?
1: Okay, well, um, first of all, just to, to make one comment, the eclipse is Wednesday morning uh, and it's visible over the western hemisphere, but it's much more visible on the western part of the western hemisphere, the western part of North America. Um, the eastern seaboard kind of gets shortchanged on this one, uh, but it is visible. There's some part of it is visible over the entire United States, and I believe all Canada um, and Mexico. Um, okay, as to the causes, any eclipse is, is simply one object blocking another. Um, in the case of a lunar eclipse. The moon's simply going into the Earth's shadow. The, sh- the Earth blocks the light from the sun from the moon. The moon has no light of its own. Uh, when it goes into the Earth's shadow, it gets dark. Uh, as compared to a solar eclipse where the moon is blocking the light from the sun, um, in that case, the sun is the light source. Um, in both cases, the sun is the light source. Um, but the moon has no light of its own, and that really makes a difference in the, way in the visibility of lunar eclipses. Um, because people probably noticed that solar eclipses seem to be extremely rare. Uh, most people have never seen one. Lunar eclipses are, appear to be much more common. Uh, most people have at least had the chance to see a lunar eclipse, a total lunar eclipse. Uh, and that's simply the because of the uh, area they're visible over. A lunar eclipse, since the moon actually seems to disappear, it gets dark. doesn't literally disappear, but it gets dark. Uh, it's visible over the entire half of the Earth that's facing towards the Moon. Uh, in the case of a solar eclipse, you only see the the total solar eclipse in the small position where you're in position where the sun where the Moon exactly lines up with the sun. Um, so there's a much smaller range of visibility of a solar eclipse.
0: Yeah, I've seen a lot so, of lunar eclipses over my time, and every one is different too.
1: They're all different, right? Uh, in actuality, solar and lunar eclipses are, are approximately equally likely. Um, it's just the area that they're visible over that makes them less likely to have seen them. Uh, but the, one, of the vari- one of the things that makes lunar eclipses so highly variable uh, is the Earth's atmosphere. Uh, the moon's going into the shadow of the Earth, but the Earth has an atmosphere, and the atmosphere scatters and refracts light from the sun into some of that shadow. Uh, so depending on the state of the Earth's atmosphere and exactly where the moon is in the shadow, uh, the, the eclipse can appear drastically different. In some cases, the moon almost completely disappears. It gets so dark, uh, it, it can almost completely disappear in the sky. Other times, it's very easily visible. It typically turns reddish. That's, uh, that's because of the light that comes through the Earth's atmosphere. It's the same reason the sunset's red. It typically gets reddish, but the but other than that, the color, the darkness of the of the eclipse, all of that can vary drastically from one eclipse to another. And in fact, there are people that, that study that. Uh, it's one way of getting some information about the Earth's atmosphere, the overall state of the Earth's atmosphere. Don't
0: they so call that the, like the Dijon scale?
1: The Dijon scale measures the the. the the depth of the eclipse, the darkness right. of the eclipse, how dark the eclipse is—that's one thing that the people can estimate to to see just how the eclipse compares to other eclipses. Uh, there are scales for measuring the the color of the eclipse too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just noticed the Sky and Telescope on their website um, in the news section where they're talking about this lunar eclipse. They do have a section on what you can do with. Uh, but with lunar eclipses, what there is to look at. Okay. And they do have a discussion of how to determine the color and the darkness of the eclipse.
0: Oh, great. I'll add that link to the show notes up here.
1: Yeah, it's under the, it's under the news section on uh, Sky and Telescope's website. Okay. But the, the eclipse, any eclipse, the lunar eclipse in particular, go through phases. We start with what's known as a penumbral Phase of the eclipse, and I'll get back to that in a second. Okay. Um, and then in the, the more familiar partial and total phases of the eclipse. Uh, the total eclipse is simply if the moon goes completely into the Earth's shadow. Um, the partial phase, every lunar eclipse uh, goes through, except for pure number of eclipses, goes through a partial phase when it's entering totality. Uh, if it becomes total, the moon gets completely covered with the shadow, and then as it comes out, it goes to a partial eclipse again. Sometimes the the moon almost misses the the main part of the Earth's shadow, and never becomes totally eclipsed, only becomes partially eclipsed.
0: How long this, is the moon in totality?
1: Uh, in this for this particular eclipse, it's a little under two hours. Oh, okay. About, I think I saw a number one point eight eight hours, and some somewhat a little under two hours.
0: But it changes in its appearance during that two hours. It
1: changes in its appearance during that time, and that's because of the, the way the light comes through the Earth's atmosphere. It's scattered into the shadow. Um, if you think of the shadow, the cause of the eclipse, I always think it's easier to, to consider how an eclipse occurs if you picture yourself standing on the moon uh, and what you would see from the moon. Um, when the, when it's, the moon is totally eclipsed, if you were standing on the moon, the Earth would be completely blocking the sun. And the Earth is close enough to the moon that it appears several times bigger than the sun. Right. Uh, so it's, it, can, it can completely cover the sun very easily, actually. If you picture the Earth off-center so it's only covering part of the sun, uh, then, you're, then you're getting a penumbral eclipse.
0: From light scattering and things like from
1: that. Light, from light getting around the right. Earth. That's a, that's a part of the Earth's shadow that's only partially dark. Um, you're not in the total eclipse at that point. But I think I think it's a little easier to visualize what's happening to the shadow. We easily get the descriptions in terms of the shadow having a dark center, the umbra, and an outer part, the penumbra, that isn't as dark. Um, a total eclipse is when the moon's completely in the umbra. A partial eclipse it's partially in the umbra and partially in the penumbra. And a penumbra eclipse... Is when it only gets into the penumbra, the bar- penumbra of the Earth's shadow, the part where it's not completely dark. That's the part of the shadow where, if you were standing out on the Moon in that part of the Earth's shadow, mm-hmm. the Sun wouldn't be completely covered.
0: Okay. So
1: it would, co- it would correspond to seeing a partial solar eclipse from the Moon. Uh, it's the same situation where you see a partial eclipse of the Sun on the Earth.
0: Right. Right. Uh, that makes sense. <laughs>
1: okay. uh, what what,
0: uh, t- what type of observations can we make during the eclipse?
1: Several things you can observe. One, just watch the eclipse to see what you see. It's a a fascinating phenomenon. Um, You can try photographing the eclipse. A couple of attitudes there. One, you can just see what kind of pictures you can take to make pictures. You can take wide angle pictures, try to get landscapes with the eclipsed moon in it. Uh, You can take a series of photographs uh, that show the stages of the eclipse as it's going into into eclipse and coming back out again. You could try to photograph the moon during totality and see what see how the images compare to for instance a full moon picture. In order to do that, you probably want a tripod on your camera if you can. Uh, you can you can take them pretty much any way you want. Uh, but a full time full total eclipse, the moon's gonna be fairly dark. The exposures are going to be long. Um, so the handheld doesn't work real well for the totally eclipsed. It can be done, uh, and you can do it by, by simply sitting a camera on a, on a support. Uh, the best way, if you're trying to take photographs, is to bracket your exposures. When the, the brightness changes drastically from the, from the partial phases to the full phase, and during a partial phase, you may find you like pictures that actually show detail on the bright side of the moon and just hint at the dark the dark partially eclipsed part. Uh, you may want to bring out the, the detail on the darker part and simply overexpose the bright part. Uh, but the brightness changes drastically as you go through the eclipse. So you're probably going to have to experiment with the exposures. Uh, and bracketing over a fairly wide range is Probably pretty useful. That's that's really uh, that's good where advice a too, because camera comes in really handy. Yeah, that's good uh, advice because you can cause see you the results right away.
0: Yeah, that's good advice because um, you don't know what the exposure should be because you got a black background and then you've got a moon that you're not used to photographing.
1: Right, and the auto exposure is probably going to not work very well. Yeah, it's going to overexpose uh, simply because you have such a large dark background. Right, the exposures could range anywhere from normal daytime exposures to take a picture of the moon while it's still. Uh, partially lit, where you don't want to completely overexpose the bright part, to tens of seconds. When it's full, when it's totally eclipsed, depending on your your ISO setting and your lens openings and that. Uh, but uh, it could be a tremendous range of, of exposures. So e- experimentation is really the way to do it. And because the brightness changes from eclipse to eclipse, you really can't make a hard and fast rule. You know, one,
0: one thing I used to do with lunar eclipses was. Uh, uh, timings of different events, like that's
1: an, that's another thing that can be done. We've like, already mentioned the estimates of color and the darkness, and all. Um, but another thing that's that's useful is timing of equ- of when various uh, craters pass into the shadow and, and emerge from the shadow. Uh, you can use they can use that for measuring the size of the Earth's shadow, which is related to the state of the Earth's atmosphere and, and various other things. It's a little easier to measure timings of craters on the going into the shadow because of the smaller objects and they're a little easier to define than the than the limb of the moon. Um, it's possible to measure the limb of the moon going into the shadow, but that's a that's a little bit harder to do, and you only get one chance at it. Right. Um, with craters, you've got to you measure. You can measure several different timings, and the the random errors can
0: be averaged out yeah it, it, it's you, you picture the crater as a circle and as a shadow comes over and hits the first rim of the of the of the crater you mark that time then you'll that see the means. shadow move across and hits the other That's side of the crater thing. and you measure yeah. that as well and it's yeah. really interesting doing that over the years when i've done this the definition of the actual shadow is really different too i mean sometimes you'll have a, a sharper shadow sometimes you'll have a uh, more of a diffuse type shadow, and that's right because of the atmosphere of the Earth.
1: Right, that's because of the atmosphere of the Earth. The, depending on how cloudy it is, how much haze there is, how much dust is in the atmosphere, uh, something like a volcanic eruption on the Earth can have a tremendous effect on the on the appearance of a lunar eclipse, just because of the dust that it puts into the atmosphere.
0: True. Now, I, the, uh, I've seen the, the term being passed around the internet this week that this is going to take place during a blue moon.
1: Uh, a blue moon and a super moon, right? Uh, both of which terms I prefer not to use. Uh, me too, um,
0: <laughs> but I had yeah, to address it here.
1: Yeah, blue moon. Blue moon. <coughs> that's a beer. <laughs> uh, and that's, the the blue moon is a. There's actually this. I've heard uh, arguments over just what a blue moon is. Yeah. I've always heard that it was the second full moon in a month. That's what which that's... this is for January. Yeah. Uh, there was a full moon. Right around the very beginning of January. I've also heard that it's the fourth full moon in a, qu- in a quarter, and I've heard that it's the third of four, the third full moon when there's four full moons in a quarter. Um, this, nobody seems to know exactly what a blue moon refers to. But the
0: moon is uh, not blue.
1: But the moon is not blue. Okay. No. <laughs> and in fact, it'll become red during the yes, eclipse. Yes,
0: which really um, will mess with it. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the super, the super moon... Is simply, as the term's been used recently, it's it's simply when the moon's near, a full moon that occurs near perigee, when the moon is closest to the Earth so it looks largest. Right. Originally, I think supermoon meant the per uh, an extremely close perigee, since the, the distance to per the orbit moon's orbit changes with time because of perturbations from various things. Um, so the distance to perigee varies a little bit, and when the um, distance to perigee is smallest and a full moon occurs at that that was a super moon now it's gotten to be where every time a, a full moon occurs near perigee which it's going to fairly re, fairly commonly for a while now um, because of the dynamics of the moon's orbit uh, they've referred to it as a super moon it's not really something that's all that noticeable um, there's I don't know the exact number, I think it's something like seven percent change in the size um yeah, it's, when you see it at, per, at perigee now you go through perigee every every lunation every month uh the moon passes through perigee, so there's a time when it's closest to the month to the earth every month. If it's not a full moon, it's not quite as noticeable um it's not really a notice a very noticeable thing um if you're careful, you can look at it. Uh, there's something known as the moon illusion. The when the moon's down, when the full moon's down near the horizon, it appears much larger than it does that's high in the sky. And to me, that's much more noticeable than the supermoon effect. Hmm. And I don't know a good ex- explanation for that horizon effect. All right. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll we'll jump right to that. That I don't know the explanation <laughs> for it. I've heard several explanations, and none of them really seem to work.
0: Right. Right. Now, this is the only, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is the only lunar eclipse this year?
1: No, the only lunar eclipse is visible in the Western Hemisphere. That's what I mean. There is a lunar eclipse in July. Okay. Uh, It'll only be visible in the Eastern Hemisphere.
0: Okay.
1: It's July 27th, 28th. Okay. The night of July 27th, 28th. And another uh, little interesting tidbit, whenever there's a lunar eclipse somewhere on the Earth, there'll be a solar eclipse within two weeks before or after it.
0: Because how, how aligns the... Because
1: if the it's the way the orbits align, yes. Uh, now, a lunar eclipse can only... The reason the lunar eclipse doesn't occur at every full moon is because the moon's orbit is tilted to the ecliptic. The ecliptic's the plane of the Earth's orbit. The, the path of the sun appears to follow around the sky. So most times when full moon occurs, a, a lunar eclipse can only occur full moon when the moon's on the opposite side of the Earth from the sun so that it can go into the shadow. Most times, the moon either passes north or south of the, of the shadow because it's, it's tilted to the, to the angle of the sun. Its orbit is tilted from the angle of the sun. Uh, it's only when the moon is, is close to crossing the ecliptic at the same time that the full moon occurs did you get a, a lunar eclipse. And it's, that's the same criterion for a solar eclipse, except that it has to be a new moon. Right. The moon has to be near the ecliptic in order for it to be close enough to, to eclipse the sun. The moon and the sun both appear about a half a degree in diameter in the sky. Uh, and the moon's orbits inclined about five degrees to the ecliptic. So the moon can be as much as five degrees away from the center of the sun. So most times it simply misses.
0: Hmm.
1: It's only when the, when the the full moon occurs near what's called a node, where the moon's orbit crosses the ecliptic, uh, that a lunar eclipse can occur, and when it does, two weeks later, it's going to be near the node on the other side of the orbit as it's passing the sun, so you get a solar eclipse, but since solar eclipses are, are visible only over a very small area, they're not. A, they're not as noticeable but there will be one within within two weeks either before or after
0: fantastic that's 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 an interesting tidbit to know <laughs> yeah so do you have any uh, how are you going to be observing the eclipses here
1: I'll probably simply be out watching it
0: okay <laughs> so no photography uh, just sit back and watch.
1: I may try I may try photographing it um, another Instead of just photographing it through a camera, you could try photographing it through through a telescope. Uh, if you want to get the full moon, um, you need you don't want a really long focus telescope,
0: yeah, you or whole, you, of, you won't be able to get
1: scan. the full image of the moon on the on the camera. I may try photographing it. One of the things that fascinates me—I've never tried it. I've seen it done, so it's not an original idea—is to simply take a series of photographs with the camera tracking the sky so that the moon, as it moves around its orbit, is moving across the sky, across the field of view of the camera,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as the moon goes in and out of eclipse. And what you get then, and people have probably seen these, uh, these photographs, um, what you get then is a series of pictures where you actually can see the, the shape of the Earth's shadow right. as the moon goes in and out of the eclipse. And you see the path of the moon going across the ca- across the image with it with a dark circle in the middle, where the moon has, has been eclipsed as it goes into the shadow. In effect, the camera is tracking the moons to the earth's shadow then. I might try doing something like that. I don't know whether yeah, I've never done that either or not. Uh, this one occurs in the morning, getting up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I may not have the ambition to actually set the camera up. But, uh, um, I'm with you. <laughs> we'll see what we'll see what happens. That's there. a work day. <laughs> so Yeah, but other it, people can do it very nicely. <laughs> and for those
0: people that are clouded out, I believe NASA and the Griffith Observatory are gonna offer live feeds as I well. I believe that's right, yes. Yeah, so you'll be able uh, to sit at your computer but, and stay warm.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mhm. And for those that aren't in the right position to say it. Like right. I said, the the extreme east coast. Is only going to see the the penumbral eclipse at the beginning. Yeah, and we the have moon us. will set by the time you go into the partial phases. Even for like the extreme northern New England, northeastern New England, uh, and the, the east coast, most of the east coast is only going to see the start of the partial phases. They won't see the the total phase. Here in Tucson, we won't see the end of the partial phase. Mm-hmm. The moon will set before the moon before the closing partial phase ends. Um, on the on the west coast where you are. I think you'll see the entire total. Yeah, total I, I, phase.
0: I, I think we don't. Yeah, the end of the penumbral we don't see, but
1: that's. But up, I was looking at the maps, and up in the extreme northwest uh, of Washington state, mm-hmm. there's a section there where you get at least all the way through the partial phase, and I don't remember whether it goes all the way through the penumbral phase or not. Uh, the penumbral phase, by the way, um, as you get close to. Partial eclipse. Sometimes, at least, you can see a darkening on the moon Right. as you get you get close to the umbra of the Earth's shadow. You'll see it there. When the penumbral phase first starts, um, you will not be able to see that. Yeah, it's <laughs> so not. It's
0: not easily defined. It's a
1: very very subtle effect. That's why you never hear about penumbral eclipses. it's possible for the moon just to go through the penumbra without even getting a partial phase but it's very rare for them to even be announced yeah you um, never you
0: never hear about this now i want apologize to apologize to our
1: li- needs some very very sensitive ins- instrumentation to be able to even measure that
0: right now, i want to apologize to our listeners that aren't are not in the continental United States, because we have them all over the world, this is just focused on the right. eclipse that's going to be visible here, but like like uh, Wayne said, there will be other eclipses throughout the year that are visible like on, on the eastern hemisphere, so we'll talk yeah, we'll about be, those when we'll they come. We'll
1: another one in July for them. Yes,
0: we, we'll do another one in July. Mm-hmm. That's very good. So you have anything else to add, Wayne?
1: Uh, I think that pretty much covered it. I don't. I don't think. I can't think of anything else that I wanted to mention at the point. At this point.
0: Okay. Now, our eclipse coordinator is Mike Reynolds. So he's right. He'll he'll probably be gathering the data, any observations on the on the eclipse. So I will add Mike's <laughs> email address into the show notes as well. If people want to contact him about the eclipse.
1: Okay. And one other thing, um, I haven't heard this. Uh, this eclipse. That, and that may be my fault. Uh, in the past, I believe John Westfall has gotten involved in the crater timings. He has and that yeah. type of thing. Um, yeah. I don't believe I've heard anything about him, him asking for any observations at this point. But uh, he may be another one that's interested.
0: That's true. That's true. I'll, mm. I'll touch base with him. Yeah.
1: There is there is information, by the way, on um, eclipse timings, again on Sky and Telescope's website, uh, that they are uh, they have a um, place where they'll gather eclipse timings okay so again under that news on the sky and telescope's website there is information about about timing um crater timings
0: okay i will i will find that and add the link well Wayne, i want to thank you again for coming on the podcast
1: okay well thank you for having me again
0: all right Well, that'll do it for this special edition of the Observer's Notebook Podcast. I again would like to thank Wayne Bailey for coming on and talking about the total lunar eclipse that's coming up uh, early January, or actually late January 2018. We upload new episodes of the podcast every few weeks. You can subscribe to us on on iTunes. And if you do, I really appreciate it if you click on that little subscribe button and then go down and write a review. That brings more people to the podcast, which generates... A lot of interest for the ALPO. You can listen to the podcast on SoundCloud. The link's in the show notes. And we're also on Google Play and Stitcher and just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. You can support the podcast by donating to it via Patreon. You can give as as little as a dollar a month. For 35 bucks a month, you receive a year's membership to the ALPO and also producer credits on the podcast. And with that, I want to thank the producer of this podcast, Steve Sidentop, for his continued generous support. The link for Patreon, as well as the link for the ALPO, is available in the show notes. You can contact me via email at cometman at cometman.net or on Twitter at at Pod. If you're interested in joining the ALPO, membership begins at only $14 a year. You can find out more at www.alpo-astronomy.org. You can also find the ALPO on Facebook. Just search for ALPO Astronomy up there on the uh, search page, and also the podcast has a Facebook page as well. Just search for The Observer's Notebook. Until next time. My hope is you always have clear and steady skies. Thanks for listening.